0: If you'll join with me, today's scripture reading is from Ephesians 5, 15 through 17. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. This is the word of the Lord. Welcome. So nice to uh, come back into in-person service and just meeting new people every week as we've been opening up. There's plenty of seats available for those of you viewing online. We haven't really opened up the balcony yet and still we will have sufficient space for people to spread out. Um, If you're new here, welcome. We are in a series in Ephesians. And just a forewarning, it's pretty meaty. Uh, This is not like a milky part of the Bible whatsoever. So In order to get a better understanding of it, you'll get a better understanding of it by listening to the Ephesians chapters 1 through 3. Just to get that in your mind as we enter into into chapter 5 here. Uh, Paul wrote to these Ephesian believers in Christ to encourage who they really truly are in Christ as beloved children of God. And so we need to look back to chapter 4 verse 1 for the purpose of Paul's letter to the Ephesians. So let's read that quickly before we jump into our verses this morning. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. We've been called to holiness, not to be common like those in the world. Paul wrote in chapter 5, verse 8, For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the world, walk as children of light. Not only to walk as children of light, also to walk in love, verse 2, chapter 5, to walk in wisdom, which we will be looking at more closely today. So verse 15, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. There's this very, very important word there in verse 15, and it's the word then then is there to point us back to the importance of what Paul has already written in chapters 1 through this point. And he's writing this so that we are to walk wisely, not unwisely. And Paul's not writing to tell people to act wisely. He's telling people to be who they really are as wise people in Christ. That if they are truly in Christ, then they will walk Wisely, And if they are outside of Christ, it's not a surprise to walk unwisely as people are being who they really are. And so as a child of God, we are to no longer walk how we once did, in darkness. We don't live as we once lived. We put away the old self. We put on the new self because we are now new. Our lives will bear witness to who we have become, in Christ, And we will reflect that in our walk. You know, you can tell a lot about a person by their walk. I don't know if you noticed this, but, you know, I've taken my kids to Disneyland, and there's a ton of kids. A lot of times, you know, they're all wearing the same thing, little hats and all this kind of stuff. And the only identifier that like, I can tell is, like, their head and their hair and those things. But I'm also looking at their walk. They have, like, their specific walk. Or their specific run, I'm like, there she is, right? And I can, like, follow. And so it's the same thing with how we look at people because their speed is different or their stride or their arm position, their head position, their shoulder position. The way that they kind of veer as they're walking. Or are they graceful versus are they jerky? And, and all these different types of things in a person's walk that tell us about them, even their personalities. In fact, you can recognize people's walk from really far away, right? Like you're, you're on the Cal campus and you don't know who's who, but then you just recognize someone's walk, like, oh, that person walks like a duck, like that's, that's so-and-so, right? So you don't even have to see their face, and you can recognize them, because we can recognize people by their walk. So how are we to walk? The first instruction here in verse 15 is to look carefully, look, to be aware to be alert, not walking around blindly. And it's carefully. Be careful, be thoughtful, pay attention. Don't be careless, thoughtless, inattentive. And it's really important not to be arrogant about our walk. Sure, there's a confidence to know Christ is in you and you've been sealed by the Holy Spirit, but that doesn't mean that we let our guard down, that we don't watch where we're walking. Look carefully then how you walk. And it's as if we should be more careful knowing what we know. And if we know that the path ahead is dangerous, we look carefully even if we have those good shoes on and we're in good shape and we're well equipped to to walk where we're walking, we still look carefully where we're walking. In the Bible, we're given these many warnings about walking, about paths, about wisdom, we can find many of these in the Psalms and the Proverbs. Let me just pull out a few of them. Psalm 1:1, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Proverbs chapter 3, starting in verse 5, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Turn away from evil. Looking carefully. Looking carefully as we walk will show whether we are unwise or wise. Why does Paul point out unwise? Why doesn't he just say wise? Because preceding these verses show us what is unwise and wise. And this is how Paul writes. He gives the negative and then he gives positive descriptions of what he's writing about. And when we are unwise, we are susceptible to verse 6. Let no one deceive you with empty words. In Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27, Jesus spoke about building a house on rock Versus building a house on sand. And it reads this Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell. And great was the fall of it. And so Paul, like Jesus, giving both sides of what it is to be wise, what it is to be unwise. And the Psalms are full of those who are unwise and foolish. Psalm chapter 14 verse 1, chapter 53 verse 1 reads this. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. The Bible is not saying these people are intellectually stupid. It's not about... The intellect. It's speaking about wisdom. It's speaking about arrogance and pride from the person who claims to know better than God. That we created God rather than God creating us. That we can explain everything. That we're in charge. Is that so? We can't even control our own mouths. We can't even control our own eyes. We can't even control our own thoughts or the various appetites that we have. We can't even control ourselves and for us to think that we can control others? What tends to guide people? Oftentimes, it's their own feelings because you'll hear this, you know, I feel, I think, and a lot of that is guided by emotion, instincts, desire, But what if you're off that day? What if you're just having a bad day? What if you're being misguided and you don't know that? See, it's not wise to rely on feelings, instinct, desires, because those things can mislead us. And the person who is wise is led by the Word of God in real time, moment by moment. Not that the person is consumed with the present that they're living in because that's what unwise people are consumed by, right? The wise person is consumed by the presence of God and what the Word of God does for them in the present is that it informs them of decisions to make now because God's Word has proven faithful and trustworthy throughout eternity, whether that's in history or moving into the future. The wise person knows that there is more to life than this present moment and our present circumstances. Unwise people are consumed with now. Right now, I want that now. I want that feeling now. I want that happiness now. I want to be fulfilled now. They don't look at long-term consequences. They don't look at everlasting. Wise people do. It is extremely helpful and wise to know the end because the end informs us what you do now in the present and so you ask yourself how does the decision I make now affect the near future the distant future everlasting how does it affect that and the fool doesn't care about that it's just now I don't care about the future I just want it now And so only wise people can look that far. The fool just cares about now. Verse 15, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Wise people walk according to the everlasting. Wisdom is not the same as intellect. It's not synonymous to knowledge. It's not how many facts you can memorize. The number of degrees you have does not equate to wisdom. All those things are great. If you're intellectual, if you're knowledgeable, and you have a lot of the degrees, great. But those things don't prevent you from being a fool or acting a fool. Wisdom, according to Dallas Willard, wisdom is the settled disposition of the soul to act in accordance with knowledge. That guy's deep. Verse 16, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. How do we know someone is wise? Look at how they use their time. Time is so valuable. And people throughout history have been trying to figure out how to get more of it throughout humanity. And in Christ, we have eternity. But there is this urgency to share the gospel with those outside of Christ because their days are numbered to know Christ. And with God's word, we can look at things through the reality of the Bible and make the best use of our time in the present days of evil before Jesus' return. I can't wait for the return of Jesus. Don't get me wrong, there are some wonderful things about this world, but there's so much of it that is evil. And we have an evil spiritual enemy, and those who don't realize this, they're unwise. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. We are constantly challenge with how we use our time because we have an enemy that is relentless that wants you to waste your time and evil is relentless the days are evil you can trace this all the way back to Genesis take a look at Genesis chapter 3 starting in verse 15 I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel and it has started all the way back then hasn't stopped ever since. Evil has been with us ever since. It was with Ephesus 2,000 years ago. It is with us today. And we need to still make the best use of time in the context of this evil being around us. How do we make the best use of time? There's an evil enemy that has been lurking with humanity since Genesis. And we know that people are sinful by nature. Take a look at what Jeremiah wrote about the human heart, Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? So how do we make the best use of time? You can't even trust your own heart. And the thing with time is that once it's gone, it's gone. You can't get it back. It is the greatest commodity that every single person has. Once it's gone, it is gone. I've done many hospice visits, unfortunately, and hospital visits and home visits over the 20-plus years of ministry. I've done too many. I don't like them. They're just sad a lot of the time to see someone suffering and in pain. And not every dying person that I visited was a Christian because I've just been called by family members or friends to go visit a person, and they're not necessarily Christian, and I haven't had a single dying person tell me, you know, I wish I had more money. Not one. I've never had anyone say that to me. No one has ever told me that they wish they had one more of a material thing. I wish I had another car. I wish I had another house. I've never heard that. And by a wide margin, what I have heard, they wish they had more time. I wish I just had more time. Be with my family. To watch my grandkids get married. to Watch them graduate. Now some have wished that they could die sooner. And some of them have wished it's because they want to see Jesus. And they're ready. And they are smiling and I'm just wondering, like, wow, how do you do that? Like, you're on your deathbed and you have a smile on your face and you're just like, I'm ready. The ones that I've heard most, though, I wish I'd had more time. And we have a limited amount of it while we're here, and those in Christ have everlasting, but we are limited in the physical world with the amount of time we have. So how do we make the best use of what we have? It's through discipline. Otherwise, you're going to waste it, but you need discipline to make the most use of it. We need to be disciplined in how we use our time. Wisdom needs to be practiced with our usage of time, and those who are wise Understand that we operate in this context of eternity in the spiritual realm, but in the physical realm, we need to take the opportunities we're given to live for the glory of God. And we are to be holy and wise, not common and foolish. Verse 17, therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Why does Paul write, therefore do not be foolish? And the reason is, because we are. That's why he writes, therefore don't be foolish, because you and I are. Who here hasn't ever been foolish? Right? All of us. And if you don't believe that, just look over to like, your spouse or your friends and be like, you know, you've been foolish, like, you know, you have. Now back in verse 10, Paul wrote, Try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. And we don't always do this, do we? Some of our choices are foolish. Sometimes we don't practice biblical, spirit-led discernment. But we need to get it. We need to get to a place where this is consistent in our life. Consistently discerning what is pleasing to the Lord. Consistently walking in wisdom. Consistently making the best use of the time. And it's not that foolish people don't practice discernment because they do. But it's different in that their discernment is determined by what is pleasing to themselves. Now, their pleasing is selfish. Their discernment is not to please the Lord for everlasting. Their lives aren't aimed to do the will of the Lord. It's for their own will. And their time is for themselves. Eternity is not on the mind of the unwise. Today is. Now is. And what is done is for the pleasure of today when it comes to their personal feelings, emotions, intellect, desires, desires. Thoughts. It is not to please the Lord. It's not to understand what the will of the Lord is. What is the will of the Lord? Sometimes we're asking that all the time, right? I don't know what the will of the Lord is. Ultimately, the will of the Lord is for you to be like Jesus. That's what the will of the Lord is. And wherever you find yourself now... The will of God is to make you more like Jesus. Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. We are being conformed to the image of his son. The will of God isn't mysterious, it's not a mystery. It's known. You are to be like Jesus. And there are many other scriptures to tell you what the will of the Lord is. And sometimes, you know, people, they go on these paths saying, you know, I, I don't know what the will of God is in my life. And, and, and they say, you know, uh, the, the will for you, that, that's God's will for you, but that's not God's will for me. Wrong. There is a will of God for everyone. There are things that are very plainly written in the Bible to be God's will. Let me just show you a few of them. I'll just point out three. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 starting in verse 3. So let this be as clear as day, right? For this is the will of God. So none of us should be able to say, I don't know what the will of God is. It's right there. For this is the will of God. Plain. Your sanctification. That you abstain from sexual immorality. And let me give you the definition of that. It is meaning any sex outside of marriage, which is a publicly pledged, exclusive, covenantal union between one man and one woman. Anything outside of that is sexually immoral. Again, Ephesians, Corinthians, these letters that Paul has written to the church, this is for those In Christ. In Christ. Outside of Christ, your business. I'm not telling you who to marry. I'm not telling you who to have sex with. I'm not telling you anything of that. Your business. But if you are in Christ, this is the will of God. Outside of Christ, your business. I'm not going to judge you. I'm not going to condemn you. I'm going to love you. I just love you. I have grace for you, I have mercy for you, I love you, I care for you. I have no judgment on you at all. In Christ, it's this. to you. Here's another will of God found in First Thessalonians chapter five, starting in verse twelve. pray without ceasing give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of god in christ jesus for you it's the will of god you do know the will of god you can't go aimly, i don't know the will of god you do i just showed you two spots where you do know one more one more will of god to share with you 1 peter chapter 2 starting in verse 15 For this is the will of God. That by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free. Not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone. Everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Ultimately, the will of God is to make you more like jesus first john chapter 3 verse 2 beloved we are god's children now and what we will be has not yet appeared but we know that when he appears we shall be like him that's the ultimate will because we shall see him as he is now of course there is the will of god for the individual Right? There are ones that are for all of those who are in Christ, like in 1 Thessalonians or in Peter, but then there are those individual things too. Right? We, we don't have the same calling to our respective careers or relationships or, or where to live or these other big life decisions that are, that are in our lives. These are individual callings that will need to be discerned in prayer, wise counsel, and it won't be spelled out for you in the Bible, right? Like... God, do I live in Oakland? Well, let me look that up in the Bible. Like, it's not in there. However, there is the will of God for all those in Christ, as we shared earlier, and those are spelled out for us in the Bible. And we read of the will of God in the Bible, it's right there. But how about the will of God that isn't there? Like, do I take that job? Do I marry that person? Do I go with this friendship and, and nurture this friend? Like all these types of things that we, we seek God for, and that's what we are to do. We, we are to continually pray and to seek wise counsel and to be wise, to look for where the will of God is plain and then to bring those personal decisions that we have under the lens of what we see is plain in the Bible. Where it's not lining up biblically, you move on from it. Where it's not clear, keep praying. Keep discerning. Keep seeking wise counsel. So, so you see how important it is to know your Bible. Because if you know it, you can say, nope, not right. What he said, not right. What I said here, please, if, I'm, if it's wrong, if, you, if it's not right, show it to me. Just say, you're wrong. It does not say that. It actually says this over here. It's great. We're all on equal footing that way, right? It's not like my feelings, my instinct, my desires. You just can show me what the Bible says, where it lines up biblically or where it doesn't. But we need to know our Bibles to do that because it's God's will that is to be done, not our own will. And a lot of times that's what's happening in the world is we're just doing our will. We're doing the world's will. We're not looking at the Bible and looking at what's God's will. God's will is perfect, and that's something that we just need to log in there because oftentimes we we wonder. You know, you're in that deep valley of life, or you're walking down a really dark path, or you have all these uncertainties, and you're experiencing these cold nights alone. And you need to know that God's will is perfect. That God's way is perfect. And it might not seem like it as you're in the middle of it. Or even soon thereafter, you're looking back and thinking, why did I experience that? Why did I go through that? That was so painful. That was so much suffering. I was so scared. But you need to know that as you get further from it into the everlasting, and you look back, you're going to see God's perfect will. Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And so today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I do ask, Lord, that your Holy Spirit has been speaking to your church. And for those who don't have a relationship with you, Lord, I pray that my message came across right. I apologize if it came across not loving or too harshly, not gracious as, as you are. And I pray, Lord, that your love would just cover whatever missteps we, we make. But I pray for those people who are outside of Christ, Lord, that they would see your love, that they would see everything we went through in Ephesians chapter 1 through 3 and not just kind of look at 4 through 6 and then look at it and and see it as a misrepresentation of who you really are because they really need to know that context first. And so God somehow supernaturally, divinely, would you plant that in them? And Lord, for those who have strayed from you, I pray, Lord, that their hearts would soften and they would turn back to you. That they would receive that love that you have for them. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have your communion elements, uh, let's take that out now and take communion together. If you don't, you can just raise your hand and we'll try to get that to you. And we'll just do that wafer first. If you're not familiar with... How these things work, there's like a top layer you peel off and then the second layer. But this white wafer symbolizing the body of Christ broken for us, we ask that you would just take some time and reflect upon your relationship with Christ. Just take inventory with you and God and see how you have been consistent or inconsistent. And walking with him. And as you're ready, let's take this together. And the fruit of the vine, symbolizing the blood of Christ spilled for us, that he took upon our sins, upon himself, so that we can be reconciled with holy God. Let's take this together. Heavenly Father, thank you for these um, symbols that we do every week just to remind us, God, of your promises. And you promise also to come back for us. And we pray, Lord, that we would make the best use of our time so many would come to salvation in Jesus' name.